Welcome back to Be Great With Nate, the podcast that trains you to master your mind, body, and emotions to help you take complete control of your life. I'm your host, your coach, Nate Ortiz. I'm enthusiastic about teaching you how to manage your health and mindset while you pursue your goals in life. My goal is to clear your confusion regarding the body, mind, and life itself. If you want to learn how to become the best version of yourself, then you're going to want to stick around. So how to overcome the fear of criticism and hate? from family, friends, and the internet. This podcast today is going to be helping you or in those that are actually on the journey to overcome a, one of the biggest roadblocks that you're going to overcome in your career or in life itself with relationships, work, etc. And that's going to be hate and criticism. And I decided today I have a, I just, I just woke up and something just intuitively just told me to talk about it today. It was a strong feeling. So I'm here to talk about that with you. I have a lot of things I'm going to be bringing you through in this podcast. So get comfortable because, and be ready because it's going to be a huge game changer. So I want to start off by saying that growth makes people uncomfortable. So when you're growing in anything that you do, let's just make an example. If you're someone that wants to go study a particular thing in college, and one of your family members wanted to do that or thinks it's too hard, so they decided not to do that, expect some hate or criticism. Let's just say that your, your social media platform is growing to a point where it's getting eyes and attention and, people, and it's helping people. Just know that there's going to be someone that may have a smaller page than you comes along and makes a duet or a comment on your post telling you how, how bad the video was or how wrong you are about something. You're not going to really catch a lot of people that have a lot more following or doing their own work in their own life actually come over to attack you or come over to um, do hate videos or do duets unless they made a living and they make a living off making duets and gossip from their content. And I'm going to speak on the deep truth to why that's the case and why they do that. Stories and theories will be used against you. So here's what I mean. When you want to grow or you want to go do something, some criticism, some hate will come against you because of theories and stories. You can't do that because when I was growing up, you can never do that. Or you can't do that and that won't work because I tried it or I know someone that tries it. Or you can't do that because I read about this. You can't do that because I read about that or I saw this and I heard that. So just be prepared for those. Those are, it's a part of the, it's a, I say it's a part of the game. It's a part of what comes with the territory of you growing and you become the best version of yourself. So what do you do about that? You stick to the truth. And I'm going to be going through a lot of strong things that you can go, I mean, you can add into your life to help you overcome these situations and these problems in your life. Studies, science, and other people's stories and theories will always be used against you. Always. So if you're in a health and fitness field like I am, and you post a video, and the health and fitness is so saturated now, right? If you post a video or you make some type of advice video on nutrition or something of that nature, you're going to have a strong crowd that's going to be against it no matter what it is, unless you're being a good boy and a good girl. And here's what I mean by being a good boy and a good girl. A good boy and a good girl follows all the science, up-to-date science, and gives the advice and, and gives mixed content or coaches or teaches about what's up-to-date with science. Or 
if you're in anything with yourself, if you feel like your mental health is going down because you haven't been getting sleep and you haven't been eating well or you haven't been doing something you love in life and you come across somebody and says, no, 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 that's not the reason why. The reason why you're not, you don't feel well is because science shows that people like you need to be on a pill. So if you were to come out into the world and say that you overcame something that was against the science or was different than the science, then you better be ready. Because one thing that as someone who's a science major, a bachelor of science in movement science for strength and conditioning, nutrition and physical therapy, and also became a nutritionist. And I'm also a sports nutritionist and I'm also a holistic practitioner. I got three licenses on that. And I'm an integrated health practitioner. No matter what, science can be right today, but wrong tomorrow. So if you go over the years of studies of understanding science, science would say one thing today, and then two years later, it will show another thing or say another thing. And if you go through the wave of the last three years by a lot of science that came out, you can see how science start to change. And you can see a lot of people who just came out and just said, hey, um, we're noticing this particular vitamin help people recover from this particular situation. You can actually lose your account. The hate or the criticism that you may have gotten with it was a lot as well because you went against the science. Now, that doesn't mean you're not going to get a crowd of people who are saying, hey, I took this particular supplement and it helped me recover too. I, I wonder if there's any um, correlation between that. You're going to have people that's on your side as well, but just know you're going to have, when you go against quote unquote science, and as someone who uses science in their favor, a lot of the times and my goal is to mix in science and Eastern medicine as much as I can. It's because I'm trying to figure out the polarities of both. And I'm going to be teaching about the power of polarity in this podcast, but I'm trying my best to be someone who's connecting everything. That's why I say always stick to the truth. Because if I go on the internet or if you go on the internet or if we talk about how, um, if I make a video, for an example, on how I help people lose weight, right, by controlling their blood sugar, that's one of the best ways I help people lose weight. People will ignore that whole message and say, you didn't have to do that. The only thing you had to do is put them in a caloric deficit. Is that true? Yes. Science. Is that science? Yes, that is true. You're right. But what makes them hungry in the first place and what makes them overeat? Blood sugar issues. So, but I'm going to teach you in here. I won't respond to that. But I know the truth. See what I'm saying? So people can be fast to try to criticize you and there's many reasons why. So what I want you to start doing is understand polarity. Everything has an opposite. When you learn that everything has an opposite side, you won't take things personal. So for an example, if you're going to go do that side job that you want to do, or you want to go change your career, you want to change your job, or you want to lose weight, whatever you do, just understand that there's going to be a polarity to that. So the more that you get someone's support, say if you have a couple people that support you, Understand that there's an opposite of that. You have to expect some people are not going to support you. You have to understand some people are not going to agree with you and they're going to criticize you. You have to understand that some people are not going to be on your side as far as um, thinking and believing that you can do it. You have to understand that. You're going to have people that will and people that won't. So let's just make an example. Let's just say you're someone who's making content and you have 100 people that follow your content 
because they really like what you do. You have to understand that there's a polarity. A polarity is the opposite. Hot water, cold water, up, down, good, evil. You have to understand that, okay, if I have 100 people that really like me and tell me how much I've helped them in life, I also have to be wise to understand that there's going to be a polarity about 100 people who won't like me. And I understand that. And as soon as you start to understand it, you won't take these things personal. Understand, and one thing I want you to do while you're listening to this, when it comes down to fear and criticism from the internet, from your families, from your friends, I want you to think about where did the fear of criticism start? What is the root cause to your, criti- your fear? And here's some things. Was it your parents? Was it your parents criticizing you everything that you did when you were a child? And now that now it makes you hesitant to even try anything because of the criticism that you've received from your parents. Did you get punished after making mistakes as a child? A lot of us get punished, right? Like you try something for the first time and you get punished for trying something because you was curious or you want to try something instead of actually getting the experience of learning what works and what doesn't work. Doesn't mean every mistake is equal. But what I am saying is, did you get a fair chance of actually experiencing life and taking chances and making mistakes? Did you witness the downfall of another person, family, a friend being judged or failing? I remember when I was a kid, we had this, we had this kid in our neighborhood who decided not to be on the streets and not sell drugs and things of that nature. And, um, I saw the I saw I saw his I saw the criticism that came with that. I saw how my 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 boys on the street started joking on him, calling him a nerd and calling him, you know, soft and a punk. And I just sat back and watched and I said to myself, "Wow, you know, hopefully they don't think like that of me because I have ideas when I grew up to do something similar to that guy." But when it came to be my point, I started to understand where my fear of criticism came from. When I was a kid, I used to be scared to talk because I had speaking issues and I had reading disabilities and I had writing disabilities. I had very, I had a lot of learning disabilities. And anytime I used to speak, my dad used to stop me and always correct me when I used to speak. So anytime I go to speak and my dad's around, I would second think about speaking because I feared the criticism that he would, you know, put me through. Now, it was constructive criticism, which some criticism, some hate can actually give you awareness to some things to understand and how to grow. But when he when he did it, he did it so much that I benefited from it, but it became subconscious me for me to be hesitant to speak when I was getting older. So when it was time to make videos and it was time to put myself out there in the world, I saw myself overthinking about the videos I did. I, if I made one mistake, I'll start the whole thing all over. I'll do it 50, 40, you know, 50, 60 times. And it was because of the fear of criticism. I was trying to be perfect in everything I said in my videos because I did not want to be wrong because I didn't want to deal with my dad or somebody telling me the mistake I made. When I wrote emails, I used to overthink about the emails because I used to shoot the emails out and I had the fear of criticism. When I got my first business in New York and I did my um, my emails, I had a lot of people in that neighborhood that are readers and writers and wealthy. And they'll read your email and they'll come into the gym the next day to tell you all the mistakes you made. 
which then would stop me from actually free, like free writing and putting my heart and soul into writing. It made me more of making writing a job and not fun and creative. It made videos made more of a job and not fun and creative. And it took my, my authentic message away. It took my love away from it. So understand where did your fear of criticism come from? Is it because nobody has ever done it and you're not sure? Is it because every time you go to try to do something, the first people to say something is your parents or your brother, your sister, or your husband or wife? Understand where it came from, and then we're going to be dissecting that. Remember, mastering the why is what I teach my clients and what I put on my programs. Why? Sometimes we get flooded in thinking about the problem without actually coming up with a solution and the bridge to both is figuring out why. What's the inform- why? What's the missing piece? What's the missing information on why? The road to becoming the best version of yourself comes with roadblocks. In order for you to comp- uh, complete your mission of becoming the best version of yourself, you have to understand self-mastery. What drives self-mastery? Results. Let them hate. Don't talk or respond. Show them instead. And this is huge, huge. I was, when I was a kid, I wanted to go for, to the number one uh, basketball school in the country in high school. And I was homeless and I was coming from nothing, right? I was at the time like probably five, nine, five, ten. I was in sixth, seventh grade. And I told all the drug dealers and all the kids in my city that I'm going to play for Bob Hurley, who is a Hall of Fame basketball coach. The amount of criticism and hate I got from that was outstanding. I had people want to fight me because I said those things. I had people, you know, I had people in the in the parks. I used to go to every park in, in Jersey City to play the best competition so I can bring my so I can get results. And while doing that, I had a lot of fist fights in those parks because they people try to jump me. I had a lot of hate and criticism. And my my number one result to all of it was always, instead of talking on the court, instead of trying to prove these, you know, the, the drug dealers in my neighborhood wrong, I had a group of them that supported me. Let's not get that messed up. But I had a, a lot of them that didn't make jokes of me. Oh, he's too fat. He don't got the skill set to pull that off. He's too slow. They'll say it right in front of me. I'm 11, 12 years old, had this dream to play for the number one school in the country that is right in our city. And I got people that are older than me that are, I'm surrounded by in the, co- in the court judging me and, 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 and uh, right to my face. With all the trauma I was going through already, without having a place to sleep sometimes or what to eat, Sometimes I would be scared to enter the court with these guys. I would see them from a distance as I'm walking in. And I'm like, yo, should I leave? Maybe they're right. Maybe, I, maybe I'm not good enough. And then I always say to myself, man, go in there and show them. And I had a perfect example of someone who actually trained my brain in that way. And it was actually my father. 
my father was one of the most successful hustlers on the streets growing up. And he was one of the most respected dudes on the streets. And I, and I never knew that from him. I never knew it from him. My dad never talked about how respected he was or how much people feared him or, or, or how much game he, how many people he helped in the streets. My dad was a drug dealer who was very sharp with the law. My dad's a lawyer. He's not really a lawyer, but you would think he's a lawyer. He could have been on Wall Street. He could have been a fitness expert. He could have been a carpenter. This guy does everything, a mechanic. He does everything. He's just a man of, of he's just very skilled, but he never talks about it. I only found out when, the, when time came and I had to be shown something. And I would go to my dad and I said, yo, dad, the drug dealers, man, and these dudes in the streets, they don't, you know, like, you know, they, they throw these nasty comments at me, comments at me, and I don't think they like me. And, you know, it's kind of like bullying, you know, and my dad used to always say, let them talk, go put the work in and show them. And that was it. It was a short conversation. And I would say other words they would say, but um, it may be too, uh, my dad wasn't, I mean, my dad's very, he's probably the best speaker. I'm going to actually set up a podcast with my dad, me and my dad, actually, that's going to be cool. I'm going to set it up in the new house here in Jersey. Um, since he's, he's only a couple minutes away from me, I'm going to bring him through. I brought him through a couple years ago. We did one, but we're going to do a, a nice one. I'll set him down and we'll set up a good podcast. But my dad was a very, he dealt with a lot of hate and a lot of criticism, but never, he never spoke about it. He never allowed it to live. Talking is easy. In today's world, people finesse the internet products and sales with talking. In a world full of quote unquote experts, action shows more than talking. Be about it. So one affirmation I want you to have is I'm about that life. And that's something I used to say to myself as a kid. We had anybody on the court or me walking in and these dudes trying to, uh, you know, uh, you know, judge me and criticize me and hate me. And some of these dudes would be feared. These are, these are real gangsters, right? That were doing it to me. But what they didn't do is that when they left, I stood and I put the work in and I outworked them and I, sh and I, sh and I showed my, I, I got results. So when we got, when it came down to playing, I used to say it in my mind when he used to talk all about, you know, all that garbage, man, I'm about that life, bro. I'm about that life. You're not here at night shooting the ball and working on your game. You're not here early in the mornings. You're lacking. You're not about that life. I'm about this life. And that's something I used to do in my mind all the time. And that's something that picked me up with all when the world outside of me was trying to bring me down. So be about that life. The hate and criticism will rob confidence in the magic you have that we need in this world. There's something that you came to this world with that's very special. We all come with a gift. You're crazy to think if you came here just to pay bills. Imagine that. The thing that made us, that's smarter than us, puts us here for a limited time for us to come and pay bills. No, 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 no. That's the outside world putting that on you to take you away from doing your magic and putting your magic into the world. It's a distraction. Figure out why you're here. And if you already know why you're here, then digest the reason why you're not actually 
what's stopping you. And if it's criticism, you have to break that down and understand that there's only one of you ever. You look at your fingerprint, there'll never be another, another one of you. You're the only one. You're the only one that will ever have that fingerprint. There's only one of you ever. So understand the hate and criticism, is it worth the legacy to stop you from creating the legacy that you were here to do? When I actually became a full scholarship basketball player for St. Anthony's and I, and I went to the basketball courts with my St. Anthony gear and my school uniform, I never went to the court and said, hey, haters, or hey, guys, I told you. I never did that. Instead, I went there with the same attitude that I had. I still got to get better. I'm still going to work on myself. I got to get results. What I allow in life towards people who hate and criticize me in a way to take away from me is I allow karma to do its job. And a lot of times what we try to do is we try to take, we try to make someone else's karma for them. And you have to understand karma circulates based off the energy you put out. So if someone gives you bad energy, hate or criticism, and then you take that and then now you get mad and you create hate and criticism within yourself to give back to them. Now you just messed up the circulation of karma. You got to let karma do its job. You just keep doing your thing. I say one of the hardest times in my life was when when I was a football when I was a basketball player and the school just opened up a football program, and when they opened up the football program, um, you know Bob Hurley, my coach, he said, "Nate, you're a big guy. You're six three. You're two hundred and forty pounds. I really think that it would be beneficial if you go and play football and try football. Most successful tight ends in football came from playing basketball, and it and it really it really it really uh, crushed me a little bit, but I knew this man wanted the best for me. It wasn't personal. So I gave it a shot. The problem with that was, is that is a couple things. Number one, if you go to St. Anthony's High School, which is a private school, and you were a Bob Hurley basketball player, you were known to be a prep boy, or you were known to be uh, a Hurley boy in the school. Now, my school, we had a lot of ghetto kids in the school, because what the school was trying to do, develop it was it was the cheapest private school you can go to in probably northern New Jersey. And secondly, it was also a school that was trying to develop a football program. So we got a lot of kids from the urban area to join to try to develop a football team for the first time in school history. When I came over to the football team, a lot of the football players didn't like it. A lot of them did not like it. A lot. Now, I spoke about this on, you know, uh, in the last couple podcasts, and I started putting this out in the world because I had the fear of criticism of actually talking about this situation. But majority of my life, I felt like I didn't fit in anywhere. Um, w- one of the biggest hate and criticism that I had to go through in my life was actually being light-skinned black kid in a black neighborhood. And being light-skinned, you can receive a lot of hate and criticism, especially if you're mixed like I am. Um, you know, you never ever be looked as an African-American. My name, they used to call me. It didn't matter who you were. You can run into me for the first time 
in my neighborhood. And my, so I, I split my time. I split. I was going back and forth from the projects where we were born, where we were all mixed in downtown Jersey City and Holland Gardens projects to a part of the Jersey City called Greenville, also known as The Hill. And that's where most of the African-American neighborhoods were. And that was a really, really bad part of Jersey City. And then Jersey City Heights, which my mom, when we moved, when she finally got her first apartment after coming out of jail, was in Jersey City Heights. And it was the first time I actually came across uh, a Dominican. Uh, I know that sounds funny, but I never, never came around a Dominican until I was like 10, 11 years old. And it was the first time in my life where I met someone that looked like me. But then I got upset because they spoke Spanish. And then there's some darker Dominicans as well that I ran across and they started speaking Spanish. So I went to my dad. I'm like, yo, dad, I'm, why, didn't you, why didn't you put me in Spanish or teach me Spanish? There's black kids speaking Spanish. And he laughed and he said, Nate, uh, those are Dominican and Cubans. I'm like, Dominicans? What's Dominican? It was the first time in that part of the neighborhood where people used to laugh at me, not because I was mixed, because they thought that I was making a joke or, or, or joking around when I told them I wasn't Dominican or Puerto Rican. But it was the first time I was able to blend in and feel like I was a part of something. And that's one of the reasons why um, while I'm writing my book right now and while my name has grown in, in many ways on platforms, I was going to change my last name to my Turner. My real last name is Turner. My father's name is Turner. Uh, but there was complications at birth. My father wasn't there. And... I got my mother's married name, um, was, which was Ortiz. My mother was married before she met my dad. They never actually got a divorce, um, but she left him. They broke up but couldn't afford the lawyer and process of divorcing, so she just moved on. And a couple years later, she had me, but she still had the married last name Ortiz. So I ended up getting Ortiz. But I was conflicted um, about a year and a half ago, two years, because I had this goal to change my last name to Turner. But one of the reasons why I decided not to is because I was raised in a Spanish community from 11 years old to 18. And it was a community that welcomed me, that treated me like their own. And I felt like it's a part of me. And to thank that community or to, to put love back into the community, I said, you know what? I think it was all written. You know, why try to force something and why try to, because if I go to Turner, it doesn't make me, I still have to fight every day to try to be good enough to be a part of a community where I'm just not, and I understand, I, I understand some situations, but at the end of the day, I'm, I'm bringing you this because I'm, this is one of the biggest criticism and hate I had to go through in my life. It was very challenging, extremely challenging. If you, you ran into me in these neighborhoods, they automatically called me Poppy. My name was never Nate. It was Poppy. Even if, if I go on a bus and a bus driver's there in, in that neighborhood, he was like, come on, Poppy, hurry up. And um, when I went on to the football team, there wasn't a lot of light-skinned kids on there or white people. The football team was majority black. And my cousin, my black cousin, was the superstar of the team. He was the upcoming superstar of the team. And he acted as if he didn't know me when I joined and um, their goal was to hurt me and injure me. They did not like the fact that the coach believed, the head coach believed that I was going to be 
one of the best to come. I mean, you know, one of the best and had the potential to become division one because he told the team, I think this kid's going to be a division one athlete and a football player. And they all laughed. When I say they all laughed, it was like they laughed at the funniest Dave Chappelle or Kevin Hart joke ever or Larry David joke ever said. And just the first time I'm ever playing football, I just got my helmet and my shoulder pads. I'm on the field and they all, they're laughing at me. And what they'll do is they'll take cheap shots at me in practice. And they was trying to hurt me. They, I'm, I'm not exaggerating. These dudes was trying to hurt, like injure me. They wanted, they didn't want a Hurley boy because they didn't like the fact that I was on a basketball scholarship playing football. They didn't like the fact that Hurley's boy can just come over and now, and now be a part of the football team because they felt like the underdogs because it was an upcoming team. And the, you play for Hurley, you, you're playing for the number one coach, you know, in the world, in the high school, and then you're playing for the number one basketball school in the country. So one of the things that I did to respond to it is there was times where I just wanted to take the shoulder pads off and just fight them. Um, there was times where I wanted to put myself, and this happened a lot in my life. There was a lot of times where I wanted to involve myself into the violence that they wanted me to involve myself with. That's what they wanted. That's where they win. See, the haters in any field, they want you to come down to their level because they mastered that level, but they haven't mastered the level of self-mastery and discipline and becoming the best version of themselves. So, Anytime you get down to that level, there's a great chance you're going to lose. And I go home and I tell my dad, <laughs> and I said, Dad, you know, these dudes, man, they're trying to hurt me, bro. And I, and I was crying. I was 16 years old. I sat in, in, in the room with him on a chair while he was laying down reading a newspaper. And I said, Dad, they're trying to hurt me, man. These dudes are trying to hurt me. They don't want me on a team. And I'm crying for like 20 minutes, 30 minutes. He puts the paper down, and my dad calls me Pa. He's like, Pa, listen. When a man goes to work, he gets paid, no matter who likes him or not. I'm like, what the hell? You could have did any. You, you could have told me something better than that. This guy's a motivational speaker, not a real professional, but on the streets, he's a motivational speaker. I'm like, and he said, you got to put the work in. Put the work in. Put the work in. And this is what I'm trying to tell you right now. Put the work in. They talk. They hate. They try to pull you down. The real loss that you take is actually allowing them to take you away from putting the work in. We must put the work in. That's the most important thing. Don't let it become a distraction. Sorry, sometimes I get passionate about this. So he said, call your Uncle Mike. My Uncle Mike was a, he's a, um, a Marine, but he also was a, a Port Authority policeman for 20 years. And he looked like Will Smith. So if you ever see Will Smith in Bad Boy, um, th that's, that's what my Uncle Mike reminded me of as a kid. Very strong, tall, 6'5". So I call him and say, Uncle Mike, I want to know if... You can sign me up at the gym. And he goes, I'll be there after work. He came after work. He was the most successful one in our family. 
comes in his Mercedes. I get in the Mercedes with him. He takes me to the gym, signs me up. And he paid he paid for my gym membership. It was Gold's Gym, my first gym in Jersey City. And I went there every day. And I and I just I knew I had to get stronger because when these dudes hit me, I had to be ready. So you gotta get stronger. When those haters come, be ready. Be ready. I ended up becoming the first Division One football player in school history. I ended up becoming an All-State, All-Star. First team, All-State. First team, All-County. First team, All-Conference. I never played football a day in my life. Coaches didn't think I could pull it off. Coaches. There was two coaches who really believed in me. Guy Pertola was the m- number one, and then Sean was number two. The other six coaches, they hated me. They hated me. They didn't want to look at me. They didn't want to talk because I was a Hurley boy, number one. Number two, they just didn't think I had it. They thought I was soft. They didn't think I had it what it takes to be a football player. I have a picture where I signed my scholarship and one of the coaches that hated me jumped in. And I didn't want him in that picture because he didn't believe in me. He started to believe in me after the scholarships came in, but I know, I know the truth. But do I respond with hate? No, you respond with results. So as long as you know that I know, that's all I need to know. I don't need the whole world to know. Only you know that I know. So when I sat there and I signed that scholarship, karma. He had to go through the karma. He knows. Okay. So. The first thing you have to understand is how do I overcome? I'm just going to make this a mantra for you. How do I overcome hate, criticism, results? Results. I want you to read, listen, and watch your mentor. Go learn about them. They all went through hate. They all went through hate. They all went through criticism. Jay-Z went through a lot of hate when he wanted to make reasonable doubt. He wanted to get signed at 26. Nobody wanted to sign Jay-Z. Jay-Z, nobody wanted to sign Jay-Z. Nobody. He went to every record label. Nobody wanted to sign him. No one. They didn't think he was good enough. They didn't think he had what it took. They did not. They criticized him. So what he did is he went to go show them instead of crying about it. Or he went to go show them instead of barking back. He took his money and started his own record label. And then dropped an album that is known to be his album Reasonable Doubt, which is one of the most historic rap albums of all time. He responded to hate and criticism. Napoleon Hill, when he made his first book, I think it was The 17 Principles of Success. I think that's the title. His first book actually tapped into quantum physics. And what he did in that book was he proved that everything is energy. And how when you manifest something, your thoughts are energy. 
And what the most successful people did to become successful. He studied Andrew Carnegie, Henry Ford. He studied the most successful people and told you they knew of this beautiful, quote-unquote, secret. This was before the secret came out. This is like 1930s. And what he did is when he made that book and he was, he was proven to you scientifically on how you manifest and how life works, Henry Ford had the book taken off from being sold. Because rumor is, is that Henry Ford did not want that secret being out to the world and creating more competition. They took it off. So Napoleon Hill, I think if I um, I can be mistaken, anywhere from eight to thirteen years, stood persistent, which was my you know one of the latest episodes we dropped on actually making his actually getting his book out there. So he had to use the sixth sense or God instead of science to show his work, and he came up with a book called Think and Grow Rich which came out to be one of the most successful self-help books of all time. He responded to the criticism and hate with results. And the last one I'll use for an example, I used a rapper or artist. I used the author. I'm using an athlete. LeBron James, in my opinion, one of the most hated athletes of all time. His whole life since he was 18, came into the NBA and was compared to Michael Jordan. And at 18 years old, he was being criticized and hated on. LeBron James recently just passed and, and uh, uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar for the most points scored in NBA history. He responded with results. Respond to results. Karma is a great teacher. Focus on improving instead of responding and trying to put karma back onto others. Stay true and honest with yourself when you are wrong. Own it. There was one time I made a video and um, I didn't have the microphone on the video, so I was extremely, I'm not going to say I was enthusiastic, but I was also trying to get the message through in an urgent way. And I was screaming through the video, right? That's what the comments were saying. Great video, but Jesus, you're screaming. Great video. Oh, my God. It would have been better if you didn't scream. So at first, I said, it's not screaming. It's enthusiasm. I responded because that was in 2021, two years ago, where I'm entering a new stage of hate and criticism, which is the internet, which is, I'll, I'll share with you in a moment. Then I actually, after like a day or two, I sat there and I looked at it and I said to myself, you know what? They're actually right. I was screaming. I was wrong for that. I can see where they come from. And then I invested in a microphone. And what it did is 
it took my game and my content to the next level. So know when your criticism and your hate, when you're wrong about something, own it. And that's so powerful. And you don't have to own it by saying, hey, I'm sorry. Hey, I'm this. You know, when I was a kid, my dad used to criticize me, constructive criticism for a lot. But at the time, it was criticism. This dude's hating on me. My father hates me. My father hates on me. You know how we are when we're kids. We're like, oh, my, my, my father hates on me. My dad hates on me. You know, I actually really had a father who just overall was just amazing. He, he really, I won't be the man I am today without him. Um, but I was also his first son. So my dad didn't want me to have earrings. My dad didn't want me to have tattoos. And my dad didn't want me to have sex until I was 21. Like, he had these rules on me that I was not allowed to sleep over friends' houses. Um, so my dad, I, I would be scared of his criticism when I wanted tattoos at 18. And I got my ears pierced at 12, 11, 11 or 12. But, um, you know, my, my dad, he would tell me all the time. He'll be like, hey, Nate, these shoes are cool, man, but... These right here are nice. I'm like, oh, they're all right. Hey, Nate, you know, you know, this outfit's cool, but this some ah, uh, okay. He's all right. One day you're gonna like this. I'm like, not that. When I was in college, I came a lot across a lot of things that my dad has taught me as a young man or a kid. And I saw myself actually seeing that he was right. And what I did is I would pick up the phone at that particular moment and say, Hey dad, remember when I was a kid? And you said that I would start liking sneakers or shoes like this instead of Jordans. He said, yeah. I said, you were right. Hey, dad, remember when you told me to read my scholarship and you kept me in the room in the hotel when we went down to Delaware to sign the scholarship instead of allowing me to go to party? And you sat me down at that table in a hotel with a highlighter and a dictionary in the, con in the, um, the uh, scholarship? He said, yeah. I said, you were right about that. When I hurt my back, they tried to take my scholarship away. But my father taught me how to read a contract and read um, the scholarship. And when I read it, I learned the rules on how to, to sustain a scholarship if you get hurt. And that was my dad's biggest worry, as if he knew it was going to happen. So when the time came and it was time, you know, my, when I got a career-ending injury, they, they tried to take my scholarship, but I knew the rules. He was right. So now when my dad tells me something, I'm all ears. I, 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 I listen to his criticism or his judgment or his teachings. I'm, I want to share um, – I hope you're enjoying this podcast so far. I wrote this out. There's like three papers. So if you hear, I just, I literally wrote all this. It just channeled through me this morning or just intuitively, I don't know, it hit me. I'm like, oh, I got to talk about this. One of the best ways to connect to people is to tell stories. And I try to connect a lot of my stories to these. Maybe you can find some relatability in these stories, but hopefully you can see that I'm not someone who read about these things. I actually went through them. In 2000. And 16, December 20th of 2016, um, I was at my girlfriend's house. I just graduated college on the 15th of December. And in life, and you're going to see, I'm going to tell you a lot about this in these podcasts. And, and if you're in the Be Great with Nate Academy, um, you're, you, you, you see me talk about this a lot as well. You're going to find roadblocks in life. 
There's going to be something that you want, but there's something that's in the way. There's a roadblock. And roadblocks can be hate, criticism. It can be information, certifications, um, patience, time, connections, etc. A roadblock is something that is there that's stopping you from getting to the next step in your journey that is closer to your dream. So in 2020, I mean, sorry, 2016, going into 2017, my biggest roadblock was actually content. I wanted to make videos. And I, I, I don't, and we had this 2010 or 2009 um, uh, MacBook that would freeze. My girlfriend had this MacBook. And we would try to edit a video, and it would, I'm not exaggerating. It would freeze for like three to five minutes. It won't do anything. It would just freeze. And then you can go back to editing. So a video that can take anywhere from like 20, 30 minutes to edit would take us hours, sometimes days. So I knew that we needed a new MacBook. Now, the biggest roadblock was the MacBook. I needed the MacBook. How can I get the MacBook? But how can I get the money for the MacBook? I never in my life, I'm not lying to you, legally had more than $1,200 to me. Um, each year when you're in school on a scholarship, you get financial aid. And when we got financial aid, I was able to keep the financial aid because I had a scholarship, right? So the financial aid was $1,200 a semester. So for two years, I saved up, two and a half years, I saved up these financial aid checks and I'll send it to my friend in Miami because he had this infinity 2005 infinity card for sale and I made payments to pay for it. After making my fourth payment, I was actually able to pick it up. I got it right before graduating college and it was in Miami. I drove it from Miami to, to, to New York and I finally graduated college and I finally got my car and I'm like, Oh my God, I finally got a car. I'm so excited. But the only way I can get a laptop is if I sold a car. I literally just bought it. I probably had it for like four or five weeks. And I'm saying to myself, I'm like, okay, the only way I can get this laptop is if I sell a car. My brother needed a car and he only had $2,000 for it. And my brother at the time, my brother and my father just moved into the worst neighborhood in New Jersey. It was Nork and Irvington. It was just crazy. It was just very bad. I used to, I used to, I grew up there on the weekends and summers with my grandfather and I was not allowed to leave the gate of our house. Um, it was it was that dangerous. And um, my brother only had two thousand, but I did not want him taking a bus in that neighborhood. I just didn't want him taking a bus. And I knew it was hard to find a good car for two thousand. So I said, you know what? I'll give you the car. So I went there, and I'm not gonna lie, I felt extremely low when I drove there. And I said to him, here. I'll sell you the car for the 2000 Now, I paid 5000 for the car, so I'm losing out on $3,000. He said, you sure? I said, yeah, it's yours. You can have it. And he gives me the $2,000 in cash that he saved up. And he looked at me. He said, Nate, save the money. He was very scared for me. He was very scared for me because I had no money. I just graduated. We all thought I was going to the NFL. And he, my brother, my little brother, he sees when I'm stressed. He, my little brother, Brandon, he never, him and I never got separated in our entire life. We never got separated. So I have two, I have an older brother and sister from my mom's side, an older sister from my sister, I mean, from my mom's side. I mean, sorry, my dad's side. And then I have a little brother from my mom and dad. I got two of them. 
but my youngest brother lived with my aunt because my my mother couldn't get custody of him um, because she actually had him when she was in jail. So she had birth and went back to jail. So her sister raised him, but he ended up moving in when I was 11 years old. Um, but yeah, I was, when I was, I was there and he said, Nate, save the money. You know, like you're, 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 you're living with, you know, Haskiri right now in her, in her father's house and save it for, you just save it. And I looked at him and said, I'm actually going to take the money and, uh, I'm going to go buy a MacBook. He was like, what? He's like, Nate, I don't think that's a good idea. I said, Brian, I'm telling you one day I'm going to make videos and I'm going to edit these videos. And I feel like I, I, I gotta, I feel like this is it for me. I think this is what I'm here for. And my brother, he didn't criticize in a way of hate. He criticized in a way of worry. So some of the criticism that you get from family and friends may come from worry or fear. And he just didn't think I should do it. So when I told other friends and family, they responded worse. They were like, you're crazy. No, what are you doing? Oh my God, no, you got to be smart. So I went to Best Buy in Jersey City, downtown, right in front of the Holland Tunnel, coming into New Jersey. And I went in there, I was circulating, circulating it, and I saw the MacBook section, but I was now, I would, the fear or the criticism started to linger my confidence and my vision and my dream. And that's what the fear and criticism and hate can do. If you let it in, it messes with your confidence and your dream. It starts creating doubt and worry. So... I procrastinated in the store for like 30 minutes and I stood a hundred feet away from the guy at Apple. Cause he was looking at me. He was eyeing me down. He knew I wanted to come over there. <laughs> you ever go, you ever go shopping somewhere and, and you know, get sneakers or get a product and the salesman is looking at you and they're eyeing you down. Cause they know that you're about to enter. or They know that you're going to buy. So I finally come up and He comes to me, he goes, what's up, man? My name is Joel, and uh, I, I can help you with anything. And I came off self-defensive, and I said, yo, look, I need a laptop, a MacBook that can edit videos, but don't try to upsell me. Don't try to rob me. Don't try to, don't, don't rob my money. And he's like, whoa, whoa, whoa I'm, I, I'm not. And I said, yo, look, man, I was homeless my entire life. This $2,000 on my hand is the most cash I had in my hand legally. I need a MacBook to edit videos, but I don't want you trying to sell me the fanciest one. I need the one to get the job done because I would like to have a little bit left after. And he's, he's like, oh, 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 of course, of course. Come, come with me. I'll show you all of them. I'll show you the ones. We have something called the MacBook Air. 2000, it was a 2015 MacBook Air. And he's taking me through it. And he, I'm sweating. And my eyes were swollen because I was crying. And he stops and looks at me. And he goes, hey, are you okay? And I said to him, this is one of the scariest things I'm doing in my life right now. But I know if I don't take this chance right now, and I don't risk this, 
I know that I won't become the person I'm supposed to become, but I'm scared. This is this is the only cash I have to my name. There's no there's no money waiting for me after college. There's no mommy and daddy to help me in my life. I'm out here. There's no sports left for me anymore. I have to figure out life. And this is the only thing I have to my name. But I believe in myself. I kept this dude here for like an hour and a half. This is a true story. I actually have a video after buying the laptop. And let me write this down in my notes. I'll link it down below. And if you go to that video and you go down to that pay, I mean that YouTube channel, my first YouTube channel was called Love Across the Hudson. Me and my girlfriend made videos on how to invest into yourself and how to believe in your dream and how to sacrifice for your dream and how to create a work ethic and how to create a mindset. We created this called, it's called Love Across the Hudson when we were broke. We started it when I was in college. Then it went to when we lived with her father. And you fast forward, years later, we look back. She's a TV star. And I became Be Great with Nate. And our dreams came true. Every single thing we wrote down. And my main goal to make those videos was two things. Number one, to inspire the people who were in the same, had the same ideas or same feelings that we had at that time. But number two, when I became successful, I had proof of all the things I've done and how far I've come. And I make it like a documentary for people to go back and watch and find inspiration. This would be very boring if I did this all this stuff without seeing you do it too. This would be very boring if it was just me. My biggest joy in life is seeing you do it. My biggest joy seeing you get healthy. My biggest joy seeing you happy. It literally is my biggest joy. When you get the money, I, I'm not trying to brag, but the money's not the problem for me. I got the house. I got the car. I got the dogs. I got the girl. I'll be bored as hell just sitting in this house. All day, every day, what runs through my mind is how to create more in this world to help people. It's my biggest joy. So I will link this video. It's called Love Across the Hudson was my our channel. I lived in New Jersey. She lived in New York. And it's called Love Across the Hudson because it was Love Across the Hudson. We found love across the Hudson River. So I brought the laptop. And that laptop is how you are listening to me today. I made my dreams come true from that laptop. And then I upgraded my laptop as I, in my computer. Now I have the MacBook um, uh, computer here. iMac. I have the newest iPad here to take notes and present for my clients on, on our calls. I have two iPhones. And I have, my, I have another MacBook Pro that I take to travel. So I came from Ford and One to be able to have multiple Apple things to support me in my dream. So the hate and criticism I got from my family, they kind of they're kind of in shock when I came home and brought the house that I brought. 
they're kind of shocked. They tell me. I have some of them that actually was honest enough to come to me and say, hey, Nate, I owe you an apology. Or, hey, Nate, I was wrong. And now when you say you're going to, this is a true story. I had a, I had a family member say to me, anytime you say you're going to do something, even when my brain wants to doubt you, I have to say to myself, he's going to do it. And whatever this dude's doing, I have to start doing. Whatever doing, whatever you're doing to help this thing works, I have to start changing my belief. I have one of the most criticizing, uh, critic, what would you say, criticizing family members say that to me and one of my most criticizing friends in our friend group. That dude that sold me the laptop end up being so inspired before I left. He said, "Hey, hey, can I get your can I get your 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 name and can I get the channel that you guys are making?" I said, "Yeah, it's called Love Across the Hudson. My name is Nate Ortiz. I'll be one of the biggest coaches in the world one day." And I'm over here, got mucus dripping from my nose, and my eyes are red from crying. I walk out, and after I walk out, I make the video that you're gonna see in the link in the bio. And you're going to see how far I've come with my speaking and my, my New York and New Jersey accent and how better I'm getting at pronouncing words. And I still trouble have trouble here and there, but I, I'm working on my game. I'm getting results. That guy ended up hitting me up six months later on Instagram and said, hey, Nate, my name Joel, the guy who sold you the MacBook. I want to let you know when you came in that day, your belief in yourself and seeing you take that risk inspired me and woke me up to do the same for my dream. I actually started my own company that I had I wanted to do for years. And I would actually like to come interview. My company put um um promotes other other businesses and and I'm a market I'm a digital marketer. And I said, "Sure, come up to my gym." So this is a year later. Now I had a gym in New York. I said, "Come to my gym." He came to my gym. I kept him there for like 12 hours telling him the the game plan for the next 3 years of my life. And everything that I told him that I'm living today. And he became my best friend. Joel Rodriguez. One of the first people to believe in me on this new journey of mine. And I tell him that all the time. So anytime he needs a favor from me or anytime he needs anything from me, I'm always there. Him and his beautiful wife, Bruni, are married. I flew across the country after just doing a workshop in Jersey. Came right back, went to their wedding, and now I spend about I spend I, I see him at least once every two three weeks if I'm not busy super busy but we make sure we get together. I actually hired Joel to do my first workshop. So if you if you ever went to the to the landing page of the workshop that I have in February twenty fourth twenty fifth, we still have one slot left by the way. Um, if you ever went to that workshop, that page, and you saw the videos and the pictures from that. That was him. I hired him. And that workshop was taking place right above the Best Buy that I met him at in 2016. You see how the world works? It's beautiful. So now he's doing his dream. And he, I hired him to help me with my dream. And we got 12 individuals in those seats that just came from all over the United States that flew to come see me for two days. If I can do it, you can too. But you have to overcome fear and criticism and hate. Okay. I'm almost done here. The only confirmation you need in life is from yourself. 
You do not need anybody else to confirm that you're good enough. You do not need anyone else to confirm that your video is good or your podcast is good. No, because as soon as you do that, you start to tip the polarity scale. You start depending on people who love it. And then as soon as someone comes and says they don't like it, it's going to hurt you big time because your you, you, your artwork is being driven by compliments and hype instead of art and creativity. And when you do that, then you allow even the good people who love it, you're going to try to keep making the things, the, the, you know, the, the podcast the way you made it before, the videos the way you made it before to make them happy still. But you may intuitively be pulled to create something that's a little different than what you've done before, but you may get in your head because you're scared of criticism. And like I mentioned before, as soon as you start to depend on the love, the love, the love, the good, the good, the good, the good, as soon as the hate comes in, it wipes you out. Because the polarity that you were depending on was good so much that as soon as something bad came up, it's obvious and it's distracting you so much because you're used to and depending on and, and getting confirmation that you're good enough from the good. When it's not there or when hate shows up, it can shift your confidence and momentum towards creating and growing in life. So just focus on your creativity. If you go through my videos throughout the years, one day I got curly hair. One day I got short hair. One day, you know, for a year and some change, I got fat. Now I'm leaning up again. I'm changing. I'm growing, but I'm still aiming for results. Life happens. Criticism comes. Nate, you got fat. You're right. I did. I made I made videos about it on, on, on Instagram. Hey, guys, I got fat. But here's what I'm going to do about it. And then I disappear. And then I just lose the weight. And I just go. You see what I'm saying? But I'm not going to let me being fat stopping me from making videos. It did. It was. But guess what it was doing? It was robbing my purpose of being here. I was wasting time. I was just sitting here waiting for the perfect time. Because perfectionism is a huge problem a lot of us can have. So, now, nah. If I could do it while I'm fat, imagine when I'm lean again. That's the mindset that I have. And that's the mindset you can put if that's a problem that you have. Master, master the why. People want to be right on the outside because they feel wrong within. Let that sit in. That just came to me this morning. So when I say master the why that I mentioned earlier in this podcast, what I mean by mastering the why is, why is this person hating and criticizing on me? Most people who criticize or hate are people who want to be right so much in the outside. Because they feel wrong within. I'll give you an example. When I first started making videos on TikTok, I used to always get attacked by white dietitians that had skin issues, that had dark circles around their eyes, and that were malnourished. But they're a dietitian. And they used to go to every video I made and used to make response videos to them. They used to comment on everything that I was wrong and I don't know what I'm talking about and I don't have an education, right? I could have easily just made a video just recording all of my certifications and education, but no, nah, I'm not going to do that. 
and I'll teach you why later on because I'm going to give you some street code. So what happened was is you could tell they want to be right so much because whatever they're doing with it, they seem like they're wrong. It seems like their internal world was not working well for them. They get really upset. They yell. You're wrong. Oh my God, you're you're so wrong. You're disgusted. Like making videos yelling. I'm like, yo, this person is having some hard times in their life right now. This person want to be so right on the outside because they're so wrong on the inside. Let that sit in. People need content and get it by gossip using your content to make content because they lack the ability to create and fear of being wrong. Last year, I had this famous nutrition bodybuilder guy on Instagram do a duet video of me on Instagram dissing me. And um, and when this person was dissing me, um, you know, one of the things, it's okay to diss me, but um, he was so angry at me where he came off very disrespectful to me, like extremely disrespectful to me. Like he, I'm not going to repeat the things because there's a lot of cursing, but and he used a lot of words that are not nice to use because of people really having issues in life. And it was one of the first times, I mean, you get a lot of these duets and stuff like that, but it was one of the first times I sat there and I actually thought about doing something about it. It was the first time I sat there and um, thought about making a phone call to some of my my family members and friends I grew up with and said, yo, we, we're going to, let's go handle this. It was the first time, first time as an adult. You see, when I was a kid, where I'm from, we don't, we, we don't, we don't disrespect and we don't, we don't talk crazy. And when we do, I, I was not about the streets. I'm a street kid, but I always resolved and wanted love, and I did not want co- um, confliction. I just didn't want to be a part of trauma, uh, a drama, and and I had enough of that at home. I was trying to find peace. But when people smack your little brother in the face, <laughs> all that is out the window, right? There's a there's a line of disrespect that people can make. You can make videos dissing me all you want it does it, it happens it's, it's the polarity but the disrespect in this one video was so taken out of contents that it was the first time I was tested as a man and it was a hard one that was one of the hardest criticisms and hates that I went through in my 20s and that was last year and then and, and instead of letting my emotions, energy emotions take me over, what I did is I immediately went to the gym. I did a workout. I got to express my emotions physically. And then from doing it physically, I sat down and I did, I mastered the why. I digested the situation. So I decided to go through his page. And what I saw was the only thing he did 
was make duet videos or remix videos judging other people. And I said, oh, this guy lacks creativity to the point where he just takes people's content and judges them. And if you read a lot of the comments of his videos, people say, oh, my God, I thought this was true. Now I'm scared to even make a video because I'm scared you're going to do this to me. So he projected his fear onto the screen in his content and his hate and criticism that got his own fans saying, oh, man, I'm not making no more videos. You're going to come for me next. That was most common comments that went in there. And also his crew, people, his fan base agreeing with him saying and then, in, in, you know, continuously, you know, disrespecting the content creator or the person who has their opinion about something. And then you find a lot of the content creators that were dissed come come into the comments and argue with them. I was, I, I'm, I'm not doing that because this guy, he's going to have to see me one day. And what I mean by that is, we're in the same field and I'm not going nowhere and I'm only getting better and I won't stop until I die. He's going to see me somewhere, someplace. We're going to have to come across each other. And I let karma handle the situation. I let karma handle the situation, but I'll let him know that I, I know. I don't need the whole world to know what I know that he knows that I know. I want him to know that I know. That's it. I move on with my day. But I say all that to say, if you do start creating content or if you do start doing something in the world and someone uses your stuff, your, your, your story as gossip at dinner, your content, and then remixes it or hate it, and then they're trying to make content off of it, they lack creativity, baby. They, they lack personal development they like yo you don't look when people gossip around me i'm like yo that's cool but i don't got time for that i i just i'm no respect for that i just don't got time for it successful people don't got time for gossip we don't i don't care what johnny and billy has done last week i no disrespect i wish them the best of luck but I got to go read or I got to go make a video. I got to make a podcast. I got to go listen to music. I got to work out. I got my own stuff I got to deal with. Successful people don't got time to worry about other people. So when someone's gossiping about you, just understand that it's why. People lack creativity, personal power, self-development, and discipline towards their own life. And I'm going to finish off with this in one of my longest podcasts I've done in a long time. What I learned on the streets has taught me a lot in business, maneuvering around celebrities and influencers, and carrying myself in the position that I'm in. In business, when I was a kid, my dad was a drug dealer. And I used to have to make a couple deals because my dad was disabled. So I would have to go make the transitions. That's why I used to always say I didn't have that much money in my hand legally because I used to have a lot of cash making these transitions for, for him. And I learned a lot about business being on the streets with my dad. Since I was a little boy, my dad was selling drugs. And I, and I just – my dad was 
one of the most respected dealers on the streets and hustlers on the streets because he was teaching people, take that money now, go start a, a food company or take that money and get out of the streets. That was his message. Like, don't do this. You're going to get, we all get caught. We all die from it. Right. So my dad, when I was on the streets with him, I learned a lot about business. I learned a lot how to deal with real gangsters and fake gangsters. I learned how to deal with how to carry myself. And one of the hardest reasons why it's hard for me to make content and share my life with people, not my story, my life, like to show you my new house or to show you my car or to make vlogs today is because I grew up with drug dealers where we keep everything a secret or we keep things private. It's very important to keep personal things private because in today's world, we're making it so okay for everybody to know everything. One thing that I, I told my girlfriend when I first met her eight years ago, well, if we're arguing or we don't like each other, we'll never use a meme or quote or anything to let the world know that we're mad at each other. If your family's over and my family's over and we're, we're in disagreement and we're arguing, we're not going to allow them to see it. That's private. And it takes a lot of discipline to stay private. It takes a lot of discipline to stay consistent. I've been with her for eight years. Number one, real OGs don't talk. They don't talk. They don't talk about it. They'll laugh at you or they'll laugh to themselves. Real masters at any craft laugh at the students or laugh at the and They don't fear anything. Why? Because they just stay consistent on the facts and results. And when you're on the facts and results, there's really, I'm telling you right now, there's nothing really to stress about. There's nothing really to overthink. Number two. Be afraid of the quiet ones. The ones who talk a lot and gossip lack power and discipline of their tongue. Jay-Z said in the song, you know the type, loud as a motorbike, but wouldn't bust a grape in a fruit fight. Mm. You know the type, loud as a motorbike, but wouldn't bust a grape in a fruit fight. So he's saying he's like, in this one song, he's trying to say, like, he came around a, one of his biggest haters, and he's trying to say, you know, you know those guys that are really loud, extremely loud, but at the end of the day, won't do anything. The ones that talk a lot usually talk a lot because they lack the confidence in the, it's a, it's a reflection of insecurity. So this is what I'm trying to say. When you get a hater, you don't have to respond. When you get a hater, you don't got to talk back a lot. Allow time and karma to circulate. Don't try to control someone else's karma. It's not your job. I spoke about that. When I was on the street, someone robbed me. When I was on the street, someone jumped me. When I was on the street, a girl cheated on me, right? Growing up in, in you know, as a kid. I allow karma to handle it. Move in silence. Don't tell or talk about what's next. This allows hate in the evil eye. So what I mean by that is if you go and tell somebody, yo, 
you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go get, I'm going to go start this business. I'm going to go do this. I'm going to do that. You give an opportunity for people to come and actually give you fear and give you criticism. Now, that's why it's important if you go back to, I keep referring back to this, but the dream podcast, how to figure out your dream, and then the steps to take towards your dream. Those two podcasts I made back to back, back last summer, I speak about creating a dream team. You'll start creating a dream team where you know who to talk to, who not to talk to, who to tell your ideas to, who not to. One of the most powerful things is this next one. Be hard to reach. reach. Use absence as power. So I want you to sit and think about the times where you went on vacation or you went on a work trip or you went away for a little bit and you came back to family or friends you haven't seen in a long time. You'll see how much they appreciate you. You'll see how much they love being around you at that moment. Right? And then stay there for a week or two and then you start seeing appreciation leave. There's power in your absence. It's power. Oh my God, it's an honor to talk to you. It will be an honor to talk to someone who's hard to reach and you know that it's almost extremely important and they take their time serious. And I say that to say, if you, if you respond to every hate comment, it looks like you're going to be easy to reach. If you respond to every crit, a criticism, that means that you're around people and you're reachable when you shouldn't be. When I got my scholarship for basketball, I wasn't on the streets all day. I came to the basketball court to play and I left. But it was hard to reach because I was usually downtown Jersey City now playing a lot more than uptown in the Heights because I had to be downtown for basketball now. I moved my game up. When I went to college, I left New Jersey. I was going to go to a school so I could stay because I was such a Jersey boy. But I left New Jersey. I was hard to reach. Even when I came back, I went to New York City. I was hard to reach. I went to LA. I was hard to reach. And even though I'm back in Jersey, most people that I grew up with don't even know that I'm back. I'm hard to reach. You got to create that space, create that distance. My energy and my time goes into preparing to become the best version of myself. I hope this podcast has helped you. Um... I really enjoyed making this one today. Um, on the Be Great Win, in the Be Great Win Eight Academy, we have uh, the five layers of energy course that I'm cur- I'm currently creating. I'm putting a lot of work into um, that should be out, but we're going to be having a lot of. So that's my name, my main priority right now, and I have to create like exercises for each part of your body that holds on to trauma. I have to show you exercise on how to release those tension, those tense muscles and exercise and how to breathe into certain parts of your body to help to release the stored trauma that may be in a nervous system or in the muscular system. So, but we do, I do have a lot of plans to put together beautiful eBooks and beautiful courses together for mindset, stuff like this. As you can see, we talked about persistence in the last one. We talked about criticism and hate in this one. Because as you're in, we're going into spring, a lot of you are going to want to be putting your ideas into as a seed. Metaphorically, you're planting your seeds. This is when you start planting your seeds. All the ideas that you have, you start planting these ideas. And then summertime, your crops grow and you shine bright, baby. And I know a lot of you are going to go through some criticism, some fear, some hate, wanting to give up. 
And these podcasts that I'm setting up, these last couple podcasts I set up are to encourage you and help you on your journey. If you haven't already um, joined the Be Great with Nate Academy, you can join it. There's a link down below. Join the Be Great with Nate Academy. It's only $27 a month. Literally cancel at any time. Only $1.11 a day. There's Right now, there's 12 courses there. We're having our first group meeting this week. We have one group meeting a month. You will get notified. I mean, notifications about that when you join. So we're super excited to meet everybody for the first time for our first one. We do have a workshop coming up February 24th, February 25th in Jersey City, New Jersey, on the Hudson River with the beautiful New York City as our view, the skyline. And then we are planning to do, I don't know, I'm getting some offers to go to Australia, potentially in end of March, early April. So... There's two um, pending workshops that we may want to put together. One in um, Australia and one in Los Angeles. And those are going to be this spring. So we're trying to find a way if, like, if someone's interested, they can possibly let us know they're interested via email or you could DM uh, me on Instagram and say, hey, Nate, heard about the Australian trip or you know, if I go to Australia, it'll probably be the one once every two, three years. So if you're in Australia, we do have a lot of Australia listeners. Um, this may be your time to take advantage of that if you're interested. Okay, so I left everything down below. I have the link to that story that I told you in the description. Uh, I appreciate you being here. You could have been anywhere else in the world, but you're here with me, and I appreciate that. Peace. Thank you for tuning in today. I hope the show gave you valuable information. If you did, take a screenshot, post it on social media, like your Instagram story or someone on your social and tag me. I will definitely get back to you. I really appreciate the love. Or you can easily just leave a rating or a review if you have the time. You don't understand how much those little things right there help me push this show to get more people like you to listen. If you want more Be Great With Nate, you can head over to BeGreatWithNate.com and I'll meet you there. Until next time, peace.